0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. So you start a school because previously you were good with kids and you wanted to teach, but you didn't want to teach in a school, like an actual school, because mom said that it didn't make enough money. So you just started a business. You got a loan from some shark in an alley who your oh. boyfriend at the time said, okay.
1: Yes, and I didn't tell you the loan was for 19%. Oh yeah. Wow. yeah That's so why I
0: cool. hurried up quick and paid him.
1: Right, but what a push, right?
0: What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got an, an electrifying queen here on the Kings stage, Julie Roy. How are we doing?
1: Hey, Chaz. Good, good. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I am also happy that you're here. And I had to hurry up quick and just be like, whoa, 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 hit the record button because we were getting into some good stuff. We're both from single mom families. We both had incredible overcoming of adversity. I cannot wait to hear your story. Tell us what kind of business that you have.
1: Yeah, so currently we run a real estate holding business. So we do multifamily, some triple net, we do some syndication, but yeah, we're real estate investors.
0: Absolutely, and you've got a background in many other endeavors and, and businesses that you've built over the years, so I'm sure we'll get into that. Sure. I wanna know before we get rolling, what's the burning desire in you? We were just talking about this, this fire inside of people like you and I, and it just burns really, really hot. What is that for you? Why are you doing this?
1: Yeah, as I said, but before we got recording, I just feel like it's been in me forever. Even as a little girl, I always had this entrepreneurial spirit, creating things, making things, being super creative, offering value. Even when I was younger, I felt like I was always trying to like bring goodness to people or bring something that I could, even as a little girl, I guess not having a lot to offer, always trying to be generous with whatever it was that we were doing. So I feel like my burning desire is really to help people. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like the give back in me right now is a super driver. We talked about generosity, breeding abundance, and we truly feel like right. we live this world of like karma, right? And what we give, we truly receive back in multitude and we don't do it for that. It just seems to continue to fuel the next thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So just- it's
0: interesting as high drivers, you, you, you stumble upon helping other people. And typically, that comes after you've you've gotten things solidified for yourself, which is rightfully understandable. Yeah. So, so you start pouring out to others, and it like it's a dopamine hit. Like, oh, yeah. I actually like this also,
1: or better. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I read your website and went through a lot of the background, and I really I felt like I really connected with you on so many levels. And one of the biggest pieces was why we're doing this, or or what drives yeah. us. And it really is, I think just the ability to help other people i feel like so many people helped us along the way and we really could have used a much even much stronger mentorship right and we didn't really have that i mean i'm 50 i'll be 50 this year i'm not 50 yet but so like 20 30 years ago mentorship mindset groups weren't really a thing so we always say like if you have an expert grab whatever you can from them right i mean like It's just such an awesome thing that now is available, where 20 years ago, we were like, we just wish we knew all this sooner. That's it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, now you get to be a huge part in helping the listeners and in many other platforms be able to know it sooner, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Know it sooner and just avoid all the costly mistakes. When you get a mentorship or a mentor, you are able to scale so much more quickly. Like we have scaled so much more quickly in the past, say, three to five years than we did in 15, honestly. Having the right people in the right seats, the right people around you being in the right group. I always tell people, like, don't hang out with people that are in the same level that you want to be at. Hang out with people that you aspire to be. Hang out with people that have done what you want to do rather than like, being where you're at. I mean, it's great. You'll, you'll get some mentorship, but if you're not looking forward, I always, I'm writing a book right now. Actually, I just finished one and writing the second one, but nice um, having that end game in mind, right. Starting with the end in mind. So, you know, where you're going, what's your North star. When if you're, you're staying here, you're not looking at that, right. You're not seeing all this, all of this amazing greatness happening around you. And I think that's really, for me, inspiring too. It feels Bucket, so I can fill other people's buckets. You know,
0: yeah, absolutely. I learned this a long time ago, and just to kind of basically say what you're saying, but in a maybe in a, in terms that I understood back in the day, the way I learned it was that you should be pouring in to someone or in a group. You should be amongst people who are at your level, learning the tactics and the things that like we're constantly going through today, and then you should be aspiring to be around those who inspire you and and pull you to the next level. And uh, I think that. Like you said, mentorship and community are a big part of that podcast right here. Like, I already know that I'm elevated because of this conversation. We haven't even gotten very far into this conversation, but I'm going to walk away even at my level. And I hope that you at your level feel the same way.
1: I I already know. Yeah,
0: exactly. So the listener, I can only imagine. Right. So, okay, let's get into some practicals here because I want to know your story. You didn't start in real estate. You haven't always been a a real estate guru.
1: No. Tell us what you did before. Yeah. So long story short, I was in law school hated it came from a single mom she worked three jobs i was always kind of working right like i was 11 babysitting the block i loved kids always walked around teaching everybody like it was just a jam but i was entrepreneurial i always wanted to make money i didn't have a lot right so if i wanted anything i had to kind of work for it my mom provided all the basics right we had food we had a housing we were in sort of a middle to lower income neighborhood All of us in the neighborhood kind of looked out for each other. I mean, like the grocery store folks would give us panini at lunch when we couldn't get in the house or there wasn't maybe stuff we liked or whatever, or we couldn't get in. It was very community-based even then. And so that's kind of going real back. But as I grew up, so obviously my, my dad wasn't, he left us when we were quite young, but they had a business for the really early part of my life, and I would always okay. work the counter, talk to the people, help them in the store. It was a hardware store. Okay, and I was always with people and in that entrepreneurial sort of vibe. My dad is very entrepreneurial driven, right? My mom, yeah. more of like accountants, just kept all the things in line. But when they split, I saw her work ethic is like second to none. And I yeah. definitely have that. She'll work. Day to night, never complain about a thing. Yeah. We are just bred to work. Our family immigrants coming to Canada. Make I'm Canadian actually, so I forgot to tell you that. But just like this background of working hard, offering value, right, continuing to be generous with people around you. I mean, that was just the spirit of our family life. My grandparents yeah. really tighten it. Anyways, long story short, went to law school because I'm Italian, and you have to be a lawyer or a doctor, or you're not making it in this world, right? So hated it. Oh my God, Chaz, I was like, I'm going to die in this. Like, I, there's no way I can do this forever. I'm super ADHD. Imagine me reading all this stuff. I was like, oh, so, I mean, I did it. I got decent marks because I have a really good, like photogenic memory almost. I have a really great memory base, but I yeah. hated the content. So it didn't matter, right? I was like, oh, this, this sucks. So yep. I love teaching. Of course, if you're a teacher, my mom's like, you're not going to make any money. You're going to struggle like me. We always want our kids to do better than we did. Right, yeah. and so, anyways, I did this law school, dropped out, you did the, all the things, started a Montessori preschool in the basement of my mom's house. That was great. Yeah, our backyard was a park in a cemetery, and that's where the kids went for recess. I like, no, <laughs> you know why it was. Crazy. There was twelve kids in my mom's basement in this like middle to lower income neighborhood with all these folks coming in from like in Canada. It was like LaSalle and like these higher end neighborhoods coming to my mom's house in the summer. And uh-huh. so, I started there little bit after that, we opened in the basement of a church, 13 kids. I got a loan from a guy named Malcolm Banks. Okay. Mr. Banks. Yes, Mr. Banks. (laughs) At the time, my husband was my boyfriend. Obviously, I was younger then. And I said I wanted to do this. And he's always been a super supporter. We'll talk a little bit about that too. But obviously, who you're with, your partner, so important, right? I mean, we have just this... This supportive nature in our relationship that even then, so I was 27, we weren't married yet. And I told him I wanted to do this and I said, But I need your help. Like, I don't have any money. I have no credit history. I had gone to school, played soccer in Europe, came back like zero money, literally, like in debt with my mom, who tried to help me even get through that. But so I came back and I was like, I can't get a loan from a bank. Like, I don't have any experience. And so I was reading the paper in Windsor and it said, need a loan, call Malcolm Banks up to 50 grand or something. And I knew I needed about 25,000 to furnish one classroom with what I needed and just get the kitchen stuff and just get the school started. Yeah. So I'm like, you're coming with me. I don't want to go alone because I don't know what I'm getting into. And he's like, okay, yeah, cool. And I'm like, you might have to like sign something because he had a real job at the time. Right. And I was like, I don't have a real job. So he's like, okay, we, we get there. It's downtown Windsor. Like, if it's, it's basically imagine a downtown, it's behind McDonald's in an alley and it's a burgundy door and it doesn't have a sign. And I was like, what are we doing? But he's yeah. like, are you sure we, we should go in? I'm like, absolutely. You Open. first. <laughs> no, nah, nah, you, you go first. Open the door. Why I'm telling you this is that when we're talking about relationships and support, it's so much more. Right. And so we, He's like, okay, I can give you this $25,000 loan. And he looks at Bo, who is my husband, and he says, Bo, just so you know, I hope you love this girl because if you don't pay this loan, you're pretty much going to die. <laughs> it's a really great position to be in, right? But but I knew there's a couple of things about me. Everything is figure outable, and that's kind of my line. Like, everything's outable. We'll make this work out. And in business, you're constantly pivoting. You're constantly figuring out stuff. And yep. two, I always say, like, I am so determined to make this work. Failure is not an option. And so I knew even at that table, I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I will. And I did. I went door to door, giving people flyers. Here we're opening this school. The first year I went from 13 kids to 75, paid Malcolm Bank back in the very first year, had no more room in the church, had to look for a second location. Long story short, scaled the preschools, sold to private equity, bought all the real estate in Canada. And then... (laughs) Did a bunch of other stuff and then did it again in Omaha, Nebraska. Came over here, bought from an 84 year old. She had about 300 kids. We scaled in three years to over 1,200 families, bought a bunch of other owners around us, bought all the real estate, 1031s, and then obviously started investing. I mean, we always had triple net sale lease backs. Like we, own, we tried to own our own after once we, not yeah. in the beginning. Obviously, you heard the story. So we nice didn't time. even have 25 grand in the beginning, but. Yeah, we started to just, we knew that we didn't want to pay rent to someone else for the business. And so we started to scale. So in a big nutshell, yeah, was a preschool owner, basically. That's how it started.
0: Yeah, okay, so let me just for a half second, because holy moly. And the reason why I was laughing is not at your success, but how you just lumped millions of dollars and thousands of families impacted into 15 seconds. Okay, so you start a school because previously you were good with kids and you wanted to teach but you didn't want to teach in a school like an actual school because mom said that didn't make enough money and so you just started a business you got a loan from some shark in an alley who your boyfriend at the time said okay
1: yes and i didn't tell you the loan was for 19 percent oh yeah yeah so i knew there was like that's why i hurried
0: up quick and paid him
1: right but what a push right i mean yeah
0: well, and, that, and a- that just shows you that's a, that's a reason why yeah. those guys exist. There's actually, there's actually a purpose in the market.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. So, so you start, so you start scaling families you start mm-hmm. scaling real estate and purchasing even other people out. You yeah. package up this thing and sell it to private equity and then double it down and do it again in Omaha. Like
1: mm-hmm. why did yeah. you go
0: back and do it again? Okay. You just weren't done yet or.
1: So what happened was when we sold in Canada, I didn't want to sell, but everything's for okay. sale for a price. Right. So Absolutely. We they came to us with this offer and I was like, they're kidding, right? Like, this is not, like, they're not going to buy this for this amount. And then we went back and forth and they came back with even a bigger amount. We ended up keeping the real estate. So we were like landlords. So we mm-hmm. had a, a nice passive income flow. That's sort of what started us in the, oh, this is really nice to be at home and have this passive income. And right. so it was like that. and And then we ended up. Yeah. Why I did it again. I love it. I'm super, super passionate about Montessori. I'm super passionate about children. I obviously I'm I'm trained in Montessori and after all that law school stuff, I went back before I opened the school. I worked in a small Montessori school that was hosted in a high school. It was a before and after school program while I was in university. Right. So that's how I started to get my groove. And when I worked for her, I was like growing her program like crazy, like selling Mm. the program and like just bringing everyone in and like she had one classroom and we couldn't find any more space. Like we we're just taking over this wing in this high school. And I was like, man, I can do this for myself. Right. That was kind of the light bulb. Right. And I always yep. knew eventually that I wanted to do that. So it wasn't just out of nowhere. There was a process, but I didn't know yeah. how long the story you wanted. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Why Love did it that. again? so I retired and my husband was like, you got to find a job or do. something."
0: Yeah. Like you this. got, you, we need to get too busy.
1: Yeah, he's like, we're all getting fat. You're baking all day long. He's like, you're at the gym. Like, whoa. I know you, you love striving on purpose, right? I mean, yes, I am I really. very purpose-driven. And so he's like, you got to do something. Actually opened and helped manage a long-term care home. And I thought this okay. would be great. It's the other end of the spectrum. Oh, my gosh. I cried all the time. It was terribly depressing. Oh. I was like, ah, this is not for me, which is great. It was a great stepping stone in knowing what yeah, I did.
0: Some perspective. Want yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so then after that I started looking for preschools again. and then so we just thought I would commute across the border because we lived in Windsor. So I was going to yeah. go to Michigan, right? Cuz I had a non-compete in Canada cuz right. it was a big company and they were probably not not wanting me to open anything after. They knew
0: the firepower.
1: <laughs> they were like, "Oh, um, we need to get the whole country off the books." They actually left a few provinces that no one goes to, so that's okay. <laughs> but well, I was like, Michigan's easy. My husband, he was a doctor. So he used to commute too, right? Oh, yeah. He was a child psych. So it all kind of wrapped in really well with what we were doing too. So, and then we had four oh. kids while we opened. I had four kids while I opened these schools. So I mean, it wasn't, I worked yeah. the whole time, no maternity, like all the things, right? right? Anyways, I was like, we can do Michigan. But it was like recession, 2011 when we sold. It wasn't really, Michigan hadn't really come back to, per se. So I thought, oh, I'll check Ohio, nothing. There was nothing coming up. And literally this brokerage sent me this across my desk, like Omaha, Nebraska. Never been there. Never visited. Had I didn't even know. I couldn't tell you where it was on a map. Like <laughs> no, zero geography in the U.S. Called. We called it, my husband and I called it Oklahoma for the first six months. Oh, like legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, so yeah, did it in Omaha. She was 84. She wanted a legacy. We had the same training, connected really great. It was just meant to be. And so, yeah, so I commuted for 18 months. I would leave on Monday and come home on Thursday with four kids and my husband run his practice. And I said, look, like I got to do this to figure out whether we move there, whether this is just a quick fill in, like what we're going to do with this. Of course, I fell in love with the school, started buying other schools, grew the program. And then we moved our whole family over here. We retired my husband out quite early. And so. He ended up really just helping in the business on the back end of stuff for me and uh, with the kids. Because we have no family here now either, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, he's no schmuck. I mean, he obviously has a very high intelligence, not only for for medicine, but for picking firecrackers and and betting on them in the early stages before he was willing to marry. Goodness gracious, I I commend him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly. And I I often say, like, not a lot of people, like, can handle me. and he's been solid. He's my best friend. We super support each other. He's an awesome. incredible parent, like way better than me. I mean, he, he's super solid. I always thank God. I'm like, whatever happened, thank you. Made it work. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I can only imagine that the listeners are just like hair back, like, holy moly. Let's go, let's go, let's go like down like 14 layers. And I want to sure. know in the midst of whether it's Omaha or Canada, and you're, you're scaling this thing, whether it was from the first year to 75 or whether it was buying the, the, the school that housed the 1200th family, I want to know of a good decision that you made that you would suggest that every single listener go do in their own respect.
1: So I think it's a, I don't really think there's one thing that okay. you do that's sure. a good decision. I think it's an amalgamation of a few things. I think number one, your people is your business. Interesting. Um, so yeah. Good. 100%, I always brought in really amazing people that believed in our mission vision value. We're really strong about our mission vision value and our core values. We even have them in the front door like for our family. We have core yeah. values for our family. We have a mission statement for our family, for our business. Again, that north star, right? We we know right. keeping that end game in mind all the time. What did we I think in terms of the amalgamation of decisions, one, get the right people who support your mission, vision, value, who are on board, who are rowing the boat with you in the same direction because a lot of people are rowing the boat and you're rowing the boat. That's yeah. really challenging. So the right people, number one, your business is your people. I mean, that, that's really for us. It's always been about the people. Two, I think that there is an element of risk in entrepreneurship that you have to be okay with. A lot of business owners are like, well, Julie, like I know because I've coached business owners, I've done masterminds. We've done lots of helping people scale. We do like, that's kind of my superpower, right? So I I love to help people do that. The biggest thing I see is that they are risk averse. And in business, I mean, you just really don't have options to be risk averse. A lot of times you just have to go all in, right? And so that thing think. I was, I'm an all in 110% gal with everything I do. Like every morning I have my Starbucks. Every morning I work out. Every morning I eat the same foods. Like I'm all in all the time, right? My gratitude practice is all in. I think you just have to really commit to your vision first and know what you want. Because a lot of times business owners don't even know what their North Star is or what their end game is or what, what they're trying to get to. So I think defining your mission, vision, value, your core values, hiring, firing, all the things to those core values. We had core value behavior charts that dictated how we hired, how we fired, how you moved up with us, how you, everything, everything about yeah. the business. So people, core values, mission, vision, your vision statement, I think is super important. People don't really pay a lot of attention to that, but mission, yeah. vision, values, and, and really sticking to that in terms of all your core standard operating procedures. and activities. Everything.
0: Yeah. yep. And yeah. then
1: just really being intentional about everything you do. Like every day, you need to be moving towards that end goal and yeah. not being distracted by solely big, shiny objects. I am ADHD. I have probably 400 tabs open right now on my computer. <laughs> this yep. is how my brain is. But I'm hyper-focused about my success and I'm hyper-focused on my goals. Like it's not an option. And so I think if you commit to that, I think that group of decisions or the amalgamation of how that works together created success for us.
0: Yeah, I want to point out to the listener just your tonality. She's extremely resolute. Yes, I'm this way, but I'm succinct when it comes to this. And and I'm dialed in, I'm hyper-focused, and there is no option. And so I just wanted to highlight that because that's, that's probably the power behind the two things that you've given to us or the maximizing. I want to go practical on both of yeah. those. Okay. So sure. have amazing people. Okay.
1: <laughs> Great.
0: Right. And, and the listener might be thinking, okay, well, I've only hired a few people or maybe they're, they have a hundred few, yeah. couple hundred in their organization. One practical thing to make sure that this person sitting down in front of this interview with me right now is an A player. How do I know? hey kings and queens Chaz wolf i want to talk to you about something that's super important to me we put a lot of time and effort we meaning myself and my team into this podcast into the content that goes out every single day and if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this we want it to be able to reach other business owners too so we would love if you would like comment share leave a review post share again <laughs> all of the things on social media on all the different platforms or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow.
1: Yeah, so there's a few things. We did a lot of predictive index like. Yep. analysis, like having them fill out predictive index testing. I mean, I don't know if it's called testing, but, you know, just analysis of personality. How do they deal with stress? How do they communicate? Right? All these things. A lot of times I feel like the interview process also is, hey, how are you doing? Like, it's not, again, not mission, vision, valued, centered. You're not defining the seat that you need them to be in. Yeah. And what that looks like for them to be successful in it, right? And so I think the hiring process, number one, needs to be redefined for a lot of folks. They're not really hiring towards the target they're looking for. They just, if you get along with the person in the interview or we click, oh yeah, I'm gonna, Chaz, we super click, right? This is awesome. We could talk all the time. But are they good at what that seat requires, right? And so predictive indexing, talking about the mission, vision, value, what goals there are in the position, we did job interviews. We we had them come in and do like what we called like a working interview. We made sure that they fit with, say, like it was a teacher and assistant, that they fit together right. in the same classroom, that they could get along, that those folks had a say in who we were hiring and they could right. say yay or nay. So a lot of collaboration from our team, our people, right? But yeah. obviously the head, like when you're hiring. There is the front line, right, which we're talking about now, but for an admin position or somebody that is in a higher level position, I have a lot of involvement because my mission and vision and value had to go through them, right? So it's really important that you feel like they, one, are bought in and two, can carry that out because you can't do that. When you're scaling, people ask me, well, Julie, like if you're not there, how do we scale you, right? Well, I cannot be at 10 locations at once, for example. That's right. So those people in there have to be me or my voice or my feeling or my my mission, right? It is a challenge. And yeah, we, we have hired people that were not the right fit. We can talk about that too, how not to hire. But I feel like, yeah, there there is definitely a process in hiring a targeted individual that will create what you need for. We don't hire people and then fit them in seats. Right. We create seats and then we hire people that fit. What we require in that seat, and I think we use EOS, we use traction. Every month we had what's called an L ten meeting. We're yep. very again, super hyper focused on our goals and how to get there, and then bringing the people in to fit what we needed those goals on our rocks and all the things that needed to move along. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The so, everything that uh, you've given to us here, obviously, just amazing. Thank you for sharing. They all kind of fit into one funnel that I'm hearing, which is get to know this person. Get Get their genuine, like who they are and how they operate and also be super upfront about what they're going to be doing before the hire. Yeah. Make the match before mm-hmm. the hire. So that way you don't hire and then have to make a change, but just get it all out on the table, all the dirty laundry, all the, the personality traits, all the requirements of the job, all the mission, vision, values. And then if there's alignment, then we have a much better chance of just then going through all that in orientation, right?
1: And, and alignment in general for us, is required. In yeah. our life, if if we don't have friends that are aligned with us, we just move on. If we don't have employees that are aligned with us, we separate, right? We re-gift them. Yeah. We re them to the environment. But yeah, I think that alignment is super, super important. And obviously there's integrity. There's a lot of pieces that come into this. Our core values, are bit, our top one is integrity. I mean, so if there's any integrity that is jeopardized at all we're just separating like there's yeah. just not an option so again though all the things like you're saying i'm super resolute in some crazy way i think that's like the ocd in me that like there is no option for you to be not exceptional in your position yeah. and so yep. if you're not exceptional my clients aren't receiving exceptional service i'm not receiving an exceptional employee, that employee is not receiving an exceptional life or value through us. So yeah. I think it's really important that it's on all levels. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. Not only helping them have the exceptional life through their experience of working for you, but then obviously that flows to the client. That yeah. that in itself is the duty of the business. I'm obligated to provide the service at a level of excellence that is representative of me. And so if, if you're going to be here, <laughs> And a representative of, of me and the brand and, and delivering this standard, it's an easy, you either fit or you don't. Yeah. But if those things aren't identified, that's when it gets a little muddy, right? Right,
1: right. And again, it being intentional about that right up front, like I'm like, look, we are a standout preschool. We are a standout Montessori. Right. We are exceptional. Exceptional means this. This is what exceptional looks yeah, like It's good in your job. Here's your values. Here's the mission that we need for your position. But here's the behaviors that we expect. Because people don't know. A lot of times they're like, well, what does that look like? So I get this core value. Great, integrity. What does that look like in this position? Then you have to show them what that looks like and are they bought in? Are they going to be able to do that? Can they complete that in an exceptional manner, not just complete its surface value? So yeah, I, I think that's really helped get the right people and also keep them. Like So the people that are coming in that we, that we've hired, they already know what the expectation is day one. And I think that's, yeah.
0: Yeah. We were talking before we hit the recording button about Mr. Uh, Uncle GC, Grant Cardone, and I built a sales team for him. And, and I I had done this even before when I was building sales teams for other big companies, but I would, I'm sitting in an interview with a salesperson. I'm like, look, dude, it's not, it's not like a couple of calls a day. It's like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of phone calls. And then at that moment, I'm probably going to come over to your desk and go, make some more. And are you okay with that? Like, cause I just don't even want to continue this conversation. If you're not willing to make 300, 400 calls every single day. And some people are like, is that even, is that even like mathematically possible? I'm like, oh no, it's possible. I've done it. And I have killers in the back doing it right now as we speak. But if you're not even willing to even think about being exceptional in that way, this, we're, we're not even going to have this interview.
1: This right at the end yeah. of the day, it's not the right position for them. If they already have the mindset, like, Hey, is that even possible? You already know, right. you already know, like. So I good. Can tell in the first five minutes, and I'm sure you can too. Like when you're building sales teams, I have 370 some employees on like the last round. You don't hire 374 people that have your mission, vision, value in place without a lot of hard work, right? Like, I mean, it just doesn't happen. And after you hire them, it's not like, oh, we're done. Everything's great. It's continual improvement, continual professional development, continual pouring into them, right? We would do growth ladders for them and show them where they could go, what their life could look like in this, in this company, in this business. Yeah, What I can do for you is so, so important too. Like I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are like, "Well, you work for me." No, you know what? You work for them.
0: Yeah, you got two clients.
1: Without your people, what is your business like? So for me, yes, serve your people first and foremost, so that they serve your client properly and exceptionally. And I, I was always, as I think the biggest thing my my team misses, and they they still call me all the time. I would do all kinds of things for them every month like here's the coffee truck that went around to all the schools i would just deliver i don't know donuts randomly and come in and just just really be grateful and thankful and they always say like julie what we missed the most was the human part of you like the human touch that you provided even yep. though there was 300 of us if if anyone texted you or called you you were like never too busy right and so i think it's important to pour into them so that you get what you need from them too for sure
0: yeah, this is this is incredible. I I think that the listener if they just stopped everything right now, this is the end of the podcast, that would be enough. You've given just really really good stuff here. I do want to ask you about a bad decision. So, what yeah. was that moment, the hour that wasn't super great?
1: Well, I mean, there there's been a lot. I mean, I a lot. And again, we talk about everything is figure-outable. So, even right. bad decisions, for me, a failure is not a failure unless you quit. So, yeah. My big thing in life, even with my kids, like we just had an example this week, they're going to make bad decisions. People make bad decisions because that's how they learn. If you don't make bad decisions, you're constantly in a state of static. No one's going to just stay standard, right? In order to grow, you need to push yourself. Boundaries mean mistakes, right? So for us, we always say a failure is not a failure unless you quit. And more so even What we call failures is our lessons. So it's not called a failure in our house. We're like, hey, how did that lesson go? Right. And if you're learning something by failing, then it's not a failure. It's a lesson. I can't even I can talk about a lot of bad lessons that I've had. I've been a lot of lessons in my life. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Definitely give us one.
1: But those lessons have grown me so much, right, as a person. Absolutely. So, like For example, we made an, a really bad investment choice once and I was handed my <laughs> on a plate. But sometimes risk is going to create situations that don't end 100% well. Right. Um, but if you learn from it and you don't do it again, that is a great opportunity for growth. And so I feel like as long as your lessons are helping you grow, then I think that failures, quote unquote, "Quote lessons are great, and so yeah, we've made a ton of them. I, I made a bad employee hire once that created issues in our company. We hired somebody that went and opened a school and took all our stuff. Right? I mean, this, this stuff happens. I mean, we have had a lot of adversity, and I clearly say my adversity breeds my abundance because it may, it fuels me. Right? Like all those decisions that I made that created issues for me are the reason why." It pushed me to do more. It pushed me harder, right? I think that, I mean, I could name literally a thousand bad decisions, but like with a bad hire, for example, that solicited our parents, took our people, walk away from us, whatever. Her school didn't thrive because karma is there. Like it's going to, it's going to take care of itself. I don't worry about competition. I worry about me. What am I doing? Right? People are worried about, well, this and that, who cares? Yep. Do you? do the best and create the best environment. And people are going to come because you're worried about serving your people, right? Not worried about what other people are doing with other masterminds, with this, with that. I'm like, here, if they need me and I'm creating value, they're going to come. We are going to get the people we need in our life and they're going to find us, right? And so I I really feel like, I know that's kind of went off on the the lesson, but it it all fits. (laughs) right? So, oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. You you just gave a 10x answer. That's all. You, you just didn't <laughs> answer one example. You gave three with context and a bunch of energy. And so I think that you're, the mindset obviously is spot on. The words that I've used recently are enlightenment. And so we only operate out of our current enlightenment. And so, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes based on what I currently understand or what my enlightenment is. Okay. So guess what? Through the lesson, like Julie's talking about, I get to raise my enlightenment. <laughs> And yeah. now I can make better decisions because I have a higher enlightenment. And, uh, and ideally, I don't make be, the same one again.
1: You're going to be super more efficient because you're not going right. to do you the mistake or the lesson will 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 fuel you faster to that goal, right? And so I feel like again, making these mistakes has really helped me yeah. in the long run. And I think when you said mindset, I, we haven't talked about that, but I mean that is. 98% of the entrepreneurial journey and yeah. success rate is what you create in your mind, right? I mean, that's like right. I like, I already say I got it. Like, nope, that that's happening next week. I'm gonna close that deal or this is gonna happen and we're gonna raise this much. And and I I feel like I almost manifest this stuff because I already say that I've got it, right? So I right. feel like where you put your mind creates not only where you're going, but it will create your end, right? Like I always knew, I'm like, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to serve a thousand families. Like this is what I said to myself in whenever 2001, I was like, my goal is to serve a thousand families. Literally, that was my first goal. I want to serve a yeah. thousand families and offer an exceptional preschool education and an exceptional early learning environment. I want to be known to when these kids leave that they're going to be like, they went to Julie's school, right? Yeah what happened, literally. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to be the first millionaire in my family, right? And that happened. I really put out this manifestation of how my life and what what my life is going to look like, what my family's life is going to look like. Yeah, I, I think mindset cannot be ignored in an entrepreneurial journey.
0: Yeah, you've given us really both pieces. This obviously goes deep in Think and Go Rich material, mm-hmm. but you can't have just the burning desire, which clearly you do, and then the mindset to go along with it, which is then to call forth or to to believe, really. That everything that you're saying, the, the manifesting or the calling out, it's just the fact that you simply believe it. And then because you believe it, you're taking action, which is that last piece that you just for the last 25 minutes have given us a huge story of just this freaking action taker. What I want the listener to hear is that while she was taking action, of course, there was failures or lessons, as she calls them. But sure. below even that, all of it, there was this immense belief that she's like, I'm going to serve a thousand families. And that seemed really big, I'm sure, at that point, didn't it?
1: Oh, when I had 13 families, it was like, <laughs> what? Oh, Julie, what are you talking about? Right. But I was like, yeah. no, I'm going to do this. And so I always tell people, too, they're like, what do you think the biggest mover was for you? And and I, I, I didn't say it, but you brought it up. I believe in myself. Number That's one. right. Belief. As an entrepreneur, if you don't have belief in yourself, no one's gonna believe you. Like nope. you're not gonna believe in you. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have enough confidence and enough drive and enough willpower and determination and all the energy and all the commitment. If you don't, they're not gonna your your employees aren't going to do that. Your team, yep. your 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 clients, right? They see your passion or your lack of for sure, right? So um That's right. I'm definitely passionate about our goals, but I believe in them and I believe yeah. in me. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. That
0: belief is what's contagious is what you're saying. And if I had to pick just one thing to like, if I, if everything crumbled to the ground and I had to rebuild everything again or just start fresh in a completely new scenario, if I could dig one thing, it would be belief in me. Yeah. And I think everything else stems from that.
1: I went from a, a lawyer in school to a preschool owner, teacher in a basement of a church to a multi million dollar real estate company. If I didn't believe I could do that, I wouldn't be here.
0: Yeah.
1: If my husband didn't believe we could do that, we wouldn't be here. If our kids didn't every day say, well, my mom and dad are super cool. We believe in them. We couldn't be here. Right. That's right. So, That's right. yeah. And instilling belief in your kids, huge. Right. Yeah. And we say you can do everything. The world is your oyster. You believe that you can do it and you will. That's what we tell them every day. I know yeah, probably, it's probably giving them these huge heads, but at the end of the day, they're super confident. Like we always, I'm laugh. sure we're like, I don't even say it on, on video, but don't say it's not listening great at something, but they're like, Hey, I'm the best at that. Like you're creating right. the belief pattern for them. Right. And that, right. that lasts through so many things for them. So it's important oh, yeah. to our parents out there, create belief all the time around you and your family and your home. Just really put a lot of effort into, into creating that for
0: them. Yeah. Le- I want to parlay right into that because one of my next questions is about family. And we both understand and deeply have lived the word obsession in our businesses. But I want to I very much tie that to how entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. either moms or dads, Mm-hmm. can also be obsessed with their family at the same time. It's mm-hmm. not this or that. There is no such thing as balance. At least that's my belief. I'm going to assume oh that you're in my, oh my shoe on this. Yes. <laughs> you
1: know, everyone's so everyone's like, how yeah, do you balance this? I'm like, are you kidding me? What balance? Yeah. Like, yeah. people that are like, oh, so how do you balance the couple relationship in business? I'm like, what, freaking, what balance? Like, there's no balance. You, It's a tag team effort, constant, full day, all day long. Like my husband. All in. Yeah, like. It's like, and so there's also this piece that of intuition you need, right? You need to know what that other person needs before they need it. And so you really be in tune in your family life too. I'm obsessed with my kids. I'm obsessed with my family. I'm obsessed with my job. I'm obsessed with work. I'm obsessed with everything. I'm just obsessed, period, right?
0: And entrepreneurs are. like If we we think about the (laughs) entrepreneur spirit, as you described it at the beginning, mind Mm -hmm. that's what they're bred to be, is addicted to everything, everything. Uh, <laughs> absolutely i'm
1: addicted to everything no so, but with my family yes i do expect a lot for them i do accept exceptionality even in my family which sometimes is cool right. and not cool for my kids right because you know, there, there's a balance there too and they know that like the other day i have a college student and i can tell you a little bit stories with him but he was like mom we don't want to disappoint you and i said dude it's okay to disappoint me as long as you're okay with disappointing yourself." Mm. it's, it's how you parent too. Right. And I'm not the best parent. Trust me. My husband is way better than me. I've said it 10 times. He's <laughs> he's super Hawaiian. He's calm, right? He's got this incredible nature, super nurturing. Right. And I'm more like, let's well, get it done. Come on guys. Da, 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 pushing the fan, just a different vibe. but
0: Galvanizing the whole unit.
1: <laughs> but together we create this incredible, I think, unit where my kids feel safe, Nurtured, they have a lot of belief in themselves. They're confident. We don't talk about people. We talk about things. We have this, this value set in our house that I told you, like you walk in the door and we have a big mission, vision, value. It's an iron on the door. Like it's a heavy, huge iron board that like you can't come in our house without looking at it. So like every day they're seeing like what our commitment as a family is is so important to us as well. And so yeah, I am obsessed with my kids. I'm obsessed with our family unit. And I, I don't know that I could be anything but, right? And they know that too. They're like, oh my God, mom, right? It's a vibe here. But yeah, and I think that you can do it all. Is it easy? Hell no. Like I had four kids, was pregnant, washing floors, teaching in the classroom, doing the accounting, being the enrollment specialist. It's not easy. And my water broke at the school and I had to finish putting all the shelves away and cleaning up the classroom. And I was like, then we'll get there. I had my first- <laughs> Honestly, I'm not kidding. Ask my husband. I don't doubt it. I'm nuts. He's like, we got to go. And I'm like, fine, we got time. And he's like, you don't got time. Let's go. But I had my first kiddo, Xavier, and I was in the hospital and I was like, I need to get this labor done. I got to do payroll, like with (laughs) it done. And he's like, Julie, we're having our first baby. I'm like, he'll be fine. And what we did is I had him literally, that baby went to the school before he went home because I went and did payroll and then went home. Like, so like if people are like, hey, it's without sacrifice or she's lucky or they're rich. Yeah. Okay. But it came with a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. And those kids, they grew up in those schools. They flipped schools on the weekends for me. I have so many pictures of them setting up classrooms. They could probably set up a Montessori classroom better than me now. Legit. And they they know, okay, we had to put the rug here. These are the shelving. We have practical life over here. Okay. Like unbox this section closer to this. They have so many skill sets. In terms of entrepreneurship, because they've they right. have lived nothing but those kids exactly in school day one. They grew up yeah. in the business. What were we going to do? I mean, my husband had a practice, and I had these businesses, so we dragged them everywhere through yeah. all of it. And
0: which is the actual blessing that entrepreneurs get to give have. to the family? Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. The yeah. the one thing I heard in all of that that I just have to say out loud is that you referenced your son as dude. And I love that. <laughs> oh, bro. What
1: are you kidding me? He's like, bro. I'm like, eh. so, yeah, but yes. it's true. We are, we are very, we, we're super lovey. Like we love each other in this family for sure. One hundred percent. It's very respectful. Like they, yeah, it's respectful, but it's fun. Right. And we, we, yeah. our core value is fun. One of our core values. So we have this goal of, as a family of doing all the continents together. That was one of our like big goals. And so we're almost done. We're doing Asia actually in four days. I just, we just did Hawaii for a month. We spend the summer. We summer hard, is called. (laughs) Hashtag summer hard. Everyone's like, mom, you overbook us in the summer. But we always have super fun. Everybody gets done school. We did a month in Hawaii. So we just got back literally two days ago. Hence my awesome tan. And then we have four days and then we're headed to Japan for about three weeks. And we're going to do all of Japan. And so... Asia's our almost last continents. And then we're doing South America and Antarctica for Christmas. And then we'll be done. But so what I wanted as a family was for us to see all of the continents together. That was one of our goals. And we created our goals together. But that was my goal. But I had them believe in it. And without
0: Yeah, you galvanized. That's for sure. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But so it's important. You can balance to some degree. Like I do take that time with them. Right. But when I was in Hawaii, I woke up at 4 a.m. The Hawaiian time. And I worked from four to seven while they slept or whenever. Then we all went to the gym together. We have a routine. We go to the gym all together for an hour. Then we have breakfast. Then we go to the beach. Then we do surfing or a big activity. Like again, it's very standard kind of structured, but you can do it, but it's not easy. You and your kids and your family and your spouse, they they give up a lot when you're an entrepreneur. And you give up a lot. I wasn't at all the concerts, recitals, games, but boas. Right? One of us, one of us was there, but not both. And they'll say too, like, oh yeah, I have a game. Are you coming, Dad? <laughs> they already know, like, he's the guy that like does all the soccer or and I'll go whenever we can. But there is sacrifice. I mean, it this cannot be done without sacrifice. And a lot of folks don't see the the iceberg underneath that beautiful yeah. mountain, right? Like all the things you give up, all the things that you miss, right? But in my in our, um, I guess, in our defense as entrepreneurs, we want to create this amazing experience for our family that goes above and beyond some of that That's stuff. Right. So in order for us to do that again, the end game, right, is right. we to go to Hawaii for a month, right? Yeah. Our end game is we're doing all the continents. Like this stuff isn't possible without sacrifice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. The end game is the exceptional life.
1: Right. Yeah, hashtag exceptional life. Love summer that. hard.
0: So, hey, look, my wife and I are very similar in that way. We were just talking just the other day about some trips that we want to take, and so we're gonna we're gonna probably legacy your summer hard. Okay. Maybe it's a winter hard for me because here in Kansas City, I'm just like anywhere else in the winter is cool. Like I just I really well, just don't want to be I, here. Huh? No,
1: we're super close, right? So yes. Actually, going to Kansas today. He's leaving for a soccer tournament there. So. Nice. Are you going? Know, Oh, so if you told me, probably that,
0: Overland Park because that's where the big, big stadiums yeah, are. But yeah,
1: he, we, we play in Overland, but there's somewhere he's going today in Kansas. Okay. Where there's a big, he's doing nationals. My kid's doing nationals. So,
0: oh, okay. My, yeah.
1: You know, fine. Here we so are. I'm with the other three. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well,
0: when you have multiple. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But um, yeah, so there is sacrifice and there, it, when people say balance, there is no balance. I mean, no. in, in, inevitability. It's you do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, period. And we take turns and we just anticipate. And we go hard. We go hard. We go hard all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Julie, I've got one last question here for you. This has been incredible. The listener, I I just wish I had a way for for millions to be able to hear this. Maybe one day there will be millions. But for the thousands that are listening, Julie, I want to know if you reached back into time Mm -hmm. and you whispered in the younger Julie's ear, what would you tell her?
1: Go, girl. Honestly, like everyone says to me, if you could do something different, what would you? I would do nothing different. I think that every experience created who I am today. And yeah. I, I think that I continually strive to be a little better today than I was yesterday. And I will continue to do that. And I'm living to 100. I've already manifested that. So <laughs> on my 100th birthday, I'm totally partying. And then I'm going to go to sleep and die. And I'm totally cool with that. And I, I said like I want a party. I want none of the sad shit. Like I just want to have a great ending and a good goodbye. But yeah. until then, I'm going to get closer and closer to that hundred percent that I'm going to be on that hundredth day, right, or that hundredth year. So I feel like it's just you can't think about the things that you weren't in the past. You have to think about the things that you will be, right? And I, I continue to say like, hey, am I? A perfect mom, hell no. But every day I try to be a little better than I was when I was stressed out or when I made a wrong decision or said the wrong thing. And I another thing is I apologize all the time for my mistakes. I'm super transparent. That's another core value, transparency in our family. It it goes along the lines of integrity. But saying that you've made mistakes also allows you to grow and be free of that burden of the yeah. mistake or of the lesson, right? And so I'll say like, hey, I was really she to you today, Zav. I'm sorry. Like, because we're a lot the same, my oldest and I. So there's a lot of times where I'm like, right. oh, no, "Like, I can't. And, but I love him to death. But we have a lot of transparent and courageous conversations. And yeah. sometimes I'm over courageous, right? And then I'm like, hey, you know what, buddy? I, that was not cool of me. And I'm really sorry. And, and he's like, no, mom, I know. I know what you meant. And I knew where you were going. But we have to also be okay with not being okay. I think yeah, the society, like, you have to be perfect. You have to be a perfect mom, the perfect that da- da- That doesn't exist. Nope. So we just accepting that growth is slow and, again, intentional, right? And so if you're getting better every day, then you're going the right way. Hopefully. So, yeah. Well,
0: we'll, we'll hit, it, hit it all the way home with that answer. You couldn't have answered it any better. I really love not only just obviously your story of success, but just your perspective of intentionality. My wife, who her name is also Julie, but we.
1: I know, I saw that. I was like,
0: Julie. I, yeah, there's a, there's a thing here. But <clears throat> the intentionality of our life often comes across to so many as just really, really intense. Yeah. And so I, I see you and I see you living just doing the thing of intentionality at home, in the marriage, with the kids, Super in the businesses. <laughs> very, very intense, running very, very fast, but willing to make mistakes, willing to forgive, willing to ask for forgiveness. And I think that's just the biggest takeaway here for the listener that you've given just obviously super practical uh, entrepreneurial advice, but just the intensity of your human, <laughs> of your spirit inside the human is, is pretty amazing. And I just really want, I want the listener to just just somehow soak up a piece of that. How can the listener find you? If they are interested in connecting with you, you potentially have maybe real estate investments that they can possibly be a part of, right? So Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we do, like I said, we do, our portfolio is basically, we own a bunch individually of triple net. That's how we live. We live 100% passively on our triple net investments. So neither one of us, quote unquote, work, technically, yeah. but we all work anyways. But yeah. So, and then we use the multifamily. We'll syndicate multifamily a couple, a few times a year to eradicate all of our tech right? So we live tax free and off of the triple net income. This is what our end goal that we had in mind was, right? So again, manifesting where you want to be. And so basically we do have some syndications that'll come up occasionally. We're not a huge syndicator by any means. We do, I would say maybe six, six deals a year, maybe, maybe eight depending on the year, but we do really quality deals. Like we don't do anything super tricky. It's super easy and flat and straight and transparent. And so. Most of them are friends and family. We put our own money in every deal. So what's different about us, I think, is we're more what I would call a boutique real estate investment. That's
0: right.
1: Yeah. And so we just we really focus on the quality of the experience for the investor. Shocker. Yes, shocker. Our transparency (laughs) with them and our goals, mission, vision, value, again, are all the same. And even in this type and line of work where. It has not really been that type of environment. We wanted to create another exceptional opportunity for for our folks to be in with us and to give opportunity to people who couldn't do this stuff on their own. Like, you can't buy triple net on your own. You can't buy a Starbucks. You have to have $3 million in liquidity. Do you want all that in one deal? So people kept asking to partner with us. And we're like, well, how can we make this work? So really intentional, again, about what we're offering, why we're doing it. It's to provide that generosity, that opportunity to others. We don't have to do this. We could just sit yeah. at home. Yeah. Can't sit at home anyways, but anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so where to find me? So I have a Facebook yeah. page. It's like Roy Equity Group LLC. It's private, so you have to find it and then we invite you. And we do that so that we don't have a bunch of like nonsense on the page. We yep. really want to offer value again to our people. So uh, every day yeah. we post something of value, something you can take with you. I'm on right. Instagram as the Julie Roy. So you can obviously tag me in that or DM me we can have a chat. Also, our email is Roy Holdings with an SLLC at gmail.com. So any of those work and we're pretty good to get about getting back to you within 24 hours or so. <laughs> I'm a little yeah. crazy about that. But again, <laughs> it's part of the experience, right? Yeah. We want you to have an ex- exceptional experience, however That's that right. is so. And even if it's just, hey, having a conversation or providing maybe a a tidbit of value if you're stuck.
0: Yep. Well, they would be silly not to attempt to reach out. Hopefully they can provide value in the attempt to connect with you just to show that it's worth your time. But thank you for being here. Blessings on your family and your investments and all that the energy that you have is going to be put into this year and the coming years. I just so appreciate your time. Thank you for being here, Julie.
1: Thank you so much, Chaz. It was amazing and what a great experience. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1000 Kings. Talk soon.